Boy, howdy. Went down to the Blue Jays game yesterday. Took in the new amenities. Dome open. They opened the dome for me. I told you guys. I was big dogging it. The true home opener. The true home opener. People were calling it the dome opener. I liked that. Yeah. I, it made me feel a little bit of consolation for missing. Dude, when I, Blake, when I was sitting, Blake Murphy also caught some shrapnel of my sadness on Wednesday, or sorry, Tuesday, when I didn't get to go to the home opener, which was me texting almost everyone that was there like, I'm so sad I'm not there. <laughs> because when they, when they threw up the lights and everyone was getting ready for the game and they were doing that part, I went, oh my God, I want to be there. And they were doing the, the tour, the Zoom through. I was so upset that I didn't get to go down to the Rogers Center and we're like in the second period of the Leafs game and I was going, this sucks. But when I told Ennis on air yesterday that you were calling it the true home opener, yeah, uh, he lost his mind. He, he was very mad. Why? <laughs> because he did not think that that was fair. And I think he, I'm going to sell him out. I'm going to be like one of your, yeah, your yeah. minions the here snitches. and sell him out. I think he was kind of got a kick out of you being stuck covering Luke Shen's last NHL goal and yeah. those big, beautiful baby blues instead of being down at the yeah. at the Blue Jays game. Dude, I I looked at, I made sure I looked back. I, 2012 was the last time I wasn't at the home opener. Hmm. It's a long ass streak that was broken. It was an Iron Man streak. It, it, it wasn't discussed enough around the city, I thought. Anyways, yeah, Blake Murphy is here. Jobo's in studio. Austin was <laughs> late again. Uh, he's telling us the traffic report around the city is the roads have changed is a big update. Uh, another scaffold down on Bremner. Uh, no one can get to the Jays game or to work on time. Yeah. Thank you uh, for listening, Blake. Yeah, it's, a, it's really great. The city has changed. According to, is the roads. The, it, it, sorry, he said it was more congested and the roads have changed. But anyways, things have also changed down at the Rogers Center. Okay, so... I want to get into, obviously, the nightmare that was the Raptors game last night, which, okay, I'll be obviously, I didn't really watch it live. I had it on my phone, and I was sitting there in my seats for a little while, and we were checking in. We watched a good little chunk of the first quarter. It's hard to, the new baseball being there live, let me just say, is completely different. Watching it on television, it doesn't really hit you, the pitch clock and the way the game is moving, but going to a live event and sitting there, and all of a sudden it's eight o'clock and you're in the eighth inning and you go, I'm sorry. So Tuesday we got we got kind of eased into it because first pitch seven oh five and the first pitch didn't actually get thrown yeah. until I think I think seven thirty nine. Exactly. You guys so it doesn't that really delay. hit you. And then there's a couple nine pitch innings early on. It's like am you're I like this is done. Am I still in my first beer? Yep. And it's exactly. like the top of the third. Like <laughs> exactly. that is that is unheard of. Um yeah, it's a, and like you have the same time between innings. So if you pace it well and time it well, you can still do your stuff. But even the like Go meet up with a friend for half an inning or an inning at the top of their section. Too fast. So yeah, it's gonna be way quicker. It's a, like you got, you have a quick hello, and then maybe if you like the home opener is a bad day for it because there's not a lot of standing space. But like yeah, you could get a half inning in, but you better book it back because it's it's gonna yeah. be rapid fire. Okay, so I'm going. I'm like I said, I'm sitting there and I put the Raptors game on my phone and I watched a tiny little bit of it, and then I went. And I said, oh, the game's over, so we don't really need to pay attention to this. Raptors are up 20. Wrong. Yeah, wrong. Um, and then at the end of the game, as the, the the Blue Jays go into the extra innings, Sammy flashes the phone at me that shows that the Raptors are now down a couple of points. Because our plan was, well, if this is over, we'll rush to a bar and we'll catch the end of the game. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to rewatch it, which I did last night. So I, I did rewatch Raptors and we will get into it with Blake. But all right, new amenities takeaways. That's number one, mm. is that the, the viewing experience in general of the pitch clock live, you're right. Um, the new amenities are great, but 
This is so weird to say. I'm not complaining about the game being faster. Ultimately, this is a good thing for baseball. But being down there live, it is harder to just... I'm not used to watching baseball this way, let's just say. Baseball is a very casual viewing experience. It's one where you go catch up with people. The reason why you wanted these social spaces is because of what Blake said. You want to be able to meet a friend in between innings and catch up over a beer and not really feel like you missed the entire game. And there was an urgency when we were moving, whether it was to the bathroom or to get a beer or to go check something out, um, of, okay, well, if you're going to go do that, the game might be through three innings as you try to traverse this part of the ballpark. And last night was, by the way, exactly league average for length. It was not an yeah. especially quick game. Well, or it did go to I, extra innings, though. Sure, but yeah. it's still like two hours and 40 minutes is right right bang on league average. Even the... But extras did make it feel okay, Blake. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is like, had we not had the extra inning and the rally for the Blue oh, Jays... Oh, it would have been get, two, 225 it, or exactly, something like that. Exactly. It would have been almost a two-hour game, which I went, that is too short. Like, <laughs> like, like, that's not too short if it's the anomaly, right? If you're going to watch Mark Burley pitch and you go, hell, that was a two-hour game. We were part of something yeah. special. It's the dad game. It's the like, wait, we yeah. had to stay and beat traffic? Yes. Unbelievable. You get yes. the double dip. <laughs> exactly. Ennis, tell me about leaving parking after the game and how, how quickly he got home relative yeah. to old games. Great. What what a review. Although yeah. the dads do love that review. Yeah. I'm going to give you the hardcore I go to a ton of baseball games review for this thing, okay? And someone who is planning on using those social spaces and for a long time has griped about the Rogers Center not having enough of them, okay? So I went early. I went down and I spent an hour before the game just cruising around and checking everything out. And I was surprised by the amount of people that were in there early. And I know it was Vlad Guerrero Jr. bobblehead night, but... I thought that the people at the Rogers Center did a really good job of shuttling people in, uh, even though now the tickets have changed where it's the, the, instead of sticking your phone in for the barcode anymore, now there's a tap option, but that actually confused me a little bit, so that slowed me down. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was you like, lost a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I lost like 20 seconds. I just, I stumbled at it. I went, wait, which, what are we doing here? Oh, it, then, it's like those small panic moments where you get up and you're like, I don't know, and there's like people behind yeah, you yeah. and you're that like was panicking. exactly yeah. it. That was exactly it. And so I had to do the step off to the side, but... They did a good job of shuttling people in because I thought, okay, I'm actually really early here. I'll be able to fully check this out. No, no, no. People were packed in there at 6 o'clock. Mm. Okay, so let me just start with this. Um, the bleacher seats, let me start with the positives, okay? Because I don't want to sound overly negative about this stuff today, but I do have some negative thoughts. Um, the bleacher seats are elite. If you can get those, mm. that is a crown jewel spot in the ballpark. Um, Sam and I call it the ejection section because I call it the Zach Britton seats because oh, yeah. in the wild card game, I absolutely would have been tossed just like sitting that close, watching the closer not get used for a whole <laughs> bunch of innings. I would have been so in that guy's kitchen yes. trying to break every single dish. I would have been out of but there. That's the thing. You're going to have to go early to get those seats, especially mm -hmm. for big games. And so you're going to be sitting there drinking for multiple hours, sitting close to the bullpen. That's why the ejection section, it's yeah. that's the Mimico boys that are going to head down. <laughs> And get absolutely tossed in those seats. This is where you having interns on the show is so helpful, oh, yeah. right? If the two of us want to go to a These game, we, we need someone right. to get down there early and scope out the seats and then do beer runs. Yes. So, oh. we, don't send, send so we don't lose the seats. Send I actually did see some parents that were like, they let their kids sit in the bleachers mm -hmm. section because when we were walking over and checking it out and they were just sh shuttling stuff to their kids. And I went, this is a different level of... <laughs> 
what my parents, uh, not my parents are fine, you know, the, but they did a lot for me, but they weren't letting me sit in the bleacher seats shuttling hot dogs. Back <laughs> no, uh, the roles were reversed yeah. in my experience. Yeah, exactly. Here's 20 Dude. bucks, go get, go get go hot get dogs and, and see if they'll give you a beer, even though you're underage. So, Elements for death. That part of the park is very cool. Like yeah. the being around the, the dugouts, or sorry, the bullpen? Yeah, the bullpen. And then also, even when you're in your seats, being able to see the Blue Jays bullpen, those guys warming up, rather than always having that question of who's down in the bullpen, like who's down there, it always says warming up, or you're trying to see it or try to figure it mm-hmm. out, and it's just this little mystery zone. Even, even the walls having the slats in them now, yeah. so that like when guys are just stirring on the lower level. Yes. Um, the Tigers relievers said they really liked it too. It is a very, very cool look from basically all angles of the ballpark that I could see. Yeah. That, I, that I went to and was around – the bullpen was awesome. When watching Simber warm up yesterday, that was great. And going, oh, that's really cool that he's right there. Like he's yeah. within eye line. It's just something else to look at. And it's that's what you want, right? Different visuals. Very, very nice. Um, the best feature in the entire ballpark by an infinite margin, I promised Sam I wouldn't talk about because we didn't want it to overpopulate, but is tap and go. Oh, yeah. Oh. Tap and go. I've talked to some people who are uncomfortable with the... Um, like the fact that it's like facial recognition. Like I don't you, care. You tap your credit card. I know. So for anyone who hasn't used it yet, the you worst tap your part is, is that I'm so against that technology. Yeah. And there was like a big story in New York with the Knicks this year yeah. in Madison Square Garden. And they're and where... using it to potentially enforce like fan yes, bans and exa- stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. Now, so for anyone who hasn't used it yet, you tap your credit card on the way in, yeah. and then you just grab, grab what you, you want, want and go. And yeah. through like facial recognition and then pairing your credit card tap yeah. to what you pull out of the thing, that's how you get charged. That's crazy. I will say this: if you, they're going to. Steal criminal all, do not go to tap and go if they're gonna <laughs> the world is going to steal all our data anyway yeah. at least it, this one is making it more efficient to get dude, beers and snacks if at there's the game, a dude. warrant over your do it, not go i so we went into the tap and go and i obviously asked what was going on in here yeah and then when she told me i was one of the happiest boys who ever <laughs> was bullying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i saw all those butt lights because okay the first couple of beers that I grabbed at the stadium. Yeah, obviously I grabbed two, one for me, one for old Sammy. He never got me back. That's the classic guy. Ah. Yeah, classic guy. But anyways, uh, I grabbed the beers and yeah, it's for two beers. The tip on the lowest percentage is over $4. And as we've said, the tipping culture is outrageous. So anyways, I tap and go completely elite. I grabbed some peanuts and I went, this is what I would have like normally I would never pay for peanuts because you can bring stuff in. You can bring your own snacks into the mm-hmm. ballpark and peanuts is like the number one thing mm-hmm. you should bring into the ballpark. There's nothing more fun than eating peanuts at the ball game and just throwing the shells everywhere and being a disgusting slob <laughs> and people walking through your mess. And, and, and you giggling being, at the, the nut-free zone yeah, signs Yeah, when, when you walk past the no peanut section. I gotta be honest, I never thought of that. <laughs> I'm sure it's very, I'm sure it's more protected than what There I are two sections, I yeah. believe, in the 100 level I think they're on the hundred level. Anyway, yeah. it's, I was okay. giggle at the science because um, I'm a child. Turning the completely unused parts of the 500 level into actual social yeah. spaces is the biggest genius stroke that these guys had. I, I didn't go up there during the game, but I've heard good things about the rooftop patio. And yeah. apparently, like, I would imagine on nice afternoon, like Saturday, yeah. that might be like a truly unbelievable spot to watch the game. It's going to mm. be, it, 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 Saturday, I guess, is going to be overcast, but a Saturday afternoon game where it's sunny and you can do that and watch the game. So... I think it's awesome, but it's also one of those things where that I'm glad that the people in the 500 section get that because there's nobody that's schlepping up there from the 
100s and the 200s. It's just, it's not going to happen. Like yeah. there's way too many other spaces that you can go for you to want to go all the way up there to those bars. I just don't. And it, it costs you, like it, it's not quick to get up there mid game. No. So that's, that's, I mean. that's one of those ones. Like if you are doing the social meet a friend thing, you're getting to the rooftop bar in the 500s pregame yep. or you're not getting there at all. Yep. I think because you don't, you miss I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but like, I don't want to lose half an inning trekking up to the, the 500. <laughs> no. Like that's the thing about walking around the 100s. At least you can keep an eye on the game other than the one area. Yeah. So let me see here. Do I have anything else more positive? Yeah. Okay. It's really cool looking. It's shiny. Mm -hmm. It looks new. Um, some of the spaces feel a little bit more open. It doesn't feel as dark in the outfield, which yeah. is nice. I like this isn't just corporate synergy. I like Rogers Landing, the the one that's like hugs the right field foul line. Yeah, but it's adjacent to the the bleacher section. Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah, but that isn't that a little corporate zone? Isn't that a you got to rent that out for parties? Oh. I didn't yeah, know that. I think that little spot is very because it's a one long table. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's open to the public and anyone could go in there. I hey, thought it was a function. An idea. That was maybe there. maybe it's an employees only section. Let, let's yeah. let's Sammy, get it going. Sammy was like, "Oh, maybe the fan will take us there." I was like, "Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's get." Uh, I can't speak. Those, those are the seats I was sitting in for the opener. It was the fan seats? So. You were in the fan seats. Yeah, me and Ennis. But like the the Rogers Landing seats? No, no, no. The the normal ones, like where we sat for the opener last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, wow. Uh, that's nice. <laughs> you were unavailable. I know. Yeah, I asked. I they were like, they were like, yeah. oh, Ennis, Gentili, Blake. Uh, we have one seat left, and I was like, well, it's obvious who that is. It's Josiah, and then yeah. if he's not available, JD. Yeah. Um, and they were like, no, no, <laughs> Thanks, JD. Blake. JD has to break down Connor Timmons playing forward tonight. Yeah, no, it was what a what a performance by him. Uh, okay, <laughs> so now into the, I think that's pretty much, like. Yeah, that th those are the amenities. Those those were the ones that I thought were nice. Okay, now too, in the one hundred level, it looks nicer than it actually is to me. Is that uh, the stop? I'm never going to use no, ever. I like, I get that you're never going to open up the batter's eye area. Like you're just not going to have that be seats that people can view yeah. the game from. But walking around all these new nice things at the hundred level, yep. and then they have a section where yes, you you have to lean into that you can't see the game from there. Yeah. But the thought of what if we make it like a subway station? It's mm -hmm. like the last place I want to think about being at a Blue Jay yep. game is the basement of Correct. King Street Station <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, station. and like. I don't know. Um, it's it's it was not my favorite part. But then the the part that's right beside it. What is uh, it's, the catch? Yes, the catch is pretty. The catch is basically like you're on a date and you go to the catch bar and you grab something. It's like oh, okay, this is nice. It's you Instagram make a joke friendly. Of like actually, you're the catch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm there alone. So yeah. something I would say. So it's just it, that whole area was so congested up, I thought, you can't really actually watch the baseball game here. Like, you can't do anything unless you're there again super early. It just, they, they don't have a solution to this because it's very flight decky. where if you can get on the rail right away, you're probably fine. But in that spot, if you get on the rail, then you're kind of like packed in in a weird way. Mm. You can't really get to the bar. Your friends will have an awkward situation of trying to keep your spot. It's better, again, it's better to have this thing, I guess, than to not. I'm just saying that in practice, it wasn't exactly the smoothest of experiences. And I definitely didn't stand at the catch bar to grab a drink. I went, okay, I could see wanting this if I was going to grab a cocktail, one of the things that was there and stand there with somebody for a little while in a boring game. But in a packed house, it kind of made it feel like it congested things up in that area. Mm. And yeah, just like I said, it felt like I was at a King Street 
bar that was a little too fancy for me where I went, yeah, this is a, like, okay, great. It just, it felt very much like, this is the way I would describe a lot of the amenities, all right, is that it, it has a little pimp my ride effect to it with the ballpark. Is like there's a spoiler and there's a fish tank, but ultimately it's still a Honda Civic. Like that's the Rogers Center. There's only so much you can do with this, right? Mm-hmm. And you haven't done this to a Lamborghini. You've done it to a old car that probably you should just bought a new one anyway. Yeah, and, and that's a nice LeBaron. Yeah, and, and that's how I sort of felt walking around a lot of these amenities is I was like, this is nice, this is nice, this is better than what we had, but this certainly isn't going to actually impact the way that I would be going to games in the summertime. So I agree with that to an extent. I do think in the summer it might, like the 100 level spaces might play up a little bit more. And I'm just thinking of like if my mom and stepdad come down for a game, right? Yeah, or something well, like that. Not, l- not like on if a I'm, Tuesday night in the middle of summer, it's going to so be much better. Those are the ones yeah. that I'm really thinking of. Is like I can remember 2015 even before they got good, you could walk up on a weeknight and get like a $7 ticket to raise Jays and like, Two good teams, but yeah. no one's there. It's like 12,000 people there. Those are the days that it's really going to play up. But obviously, it's funny to highlight that because obviously their hope is that there are no more of those days, or at least yeah. not for a long time. Like like Josh Towers is not starting yeah. every second day anymore, which, which is what it felt like for years at Rogers Center. So I, I don't know. I, I wonder if some of the benefit of that is going to be lost on if you have big crowds out every night, although they lost 7,000 people Tuesday to Wednesday. So yeah. maybe... Uh, you know, yeah, maybe but there that, are there yeah, is going to be a little bit home of that. opener though. But still, that's that's a that was a really good crowd last night. Like that was a yeah, really 30, really good crowd. Thirty five thousand yeah, is, is, is still is good in super, there. Super super solid. Crowd. That's the other thing too is that I think <laughs> actually turning some of the deader spaces in terms of capacity into these social zones will actually make like thirty five thousand will feel bigger now because it's more full technically, right? Like, and it's those 35,000 are all more condensed away from the, the dead 500 level areas Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it'll, it should make like even a medium high size crowd feel really big. Yeah. Again, it's better than the alternative, those social zones in the one hundreds. I just, for me, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's going to be really clunky and really hard to meet someone there and actually grab a drink and also be able to actually see the ball game. Like that, those so I really liked the Schneider's porch. I thought that one was really good. It was just a little bit higher up, and also just, I didn't get to that one. Though. Yeah, that was the two hundred levels one. It's mm. a small little. Uh, it's it's a little porch, social porch that's up there. I like that one a lot more. But the one hundred level ones, I just found it like okay, so I can't see the game, and it's hard to get a beer, and everything is yeah. Uh, I I'm gonna have to wait in the lines and be in sort of. It just it didn't hit. It looks way cleaner on television than it was in practice. Now, here's my two biggest negative takeaways, and then we'll wrap this up, because ultimately it was it was just better. The ballpark is definitely better. It's definitely improved. And you're not the core audience for the changes, right? You're going to be at 30, 40 kind games of, anyway. I, I, I know, but well, yes, like, but kind of, because I'll, I'll explain why I'm definitely the core audience. I want to bring people to the baseball games, and sometimes, like, I want to go a lot, and I like making the tie-in of friends and work. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty busy. I like being able to kill two birds at once. Plus, I love going to baseball games. And now that they're done sooner, it's not as big of a time commit for people. It is really nice to have a beer in the sun and basically treat it like a patio. But I'm also able to do my job and enjoy something, one of my favorite things, which is watching Blue Jays baseball, especially live. And that was the thing that I kept taking away was I sat in the 100s. And I was moving around and cruising around. And you're right. It was 35000 But that's what they're kind of hoping for all season long is mm-hmm. to be at more advanced tickets. And it was 
tough to navigate some of those social spaces or to get a spot in the outfield where you could see the game unless you were there at six o'clock and post it up. And this is my biggest gripe. The walking dead ticket, mm. the, you don't have a seat, but mm-hmm. you just get to go buy into the Rogers the center and walk around. One. I hate that so much. <laughs> that is a nightmare. I, that is completely unfair to me. Let people buy their seats and then use the outfield amenities. Don't try to do the cash grab move of, hey, we're going to let you in here for $20, and then you're going to show up at 5 o'clock and be the first ones in the stadium, grabbing those fun bleacher seats, grabbing those cool spots in the 100 zones, and not giving anybody else a shot at even getting those. Again, it's very early in the season, but I showed up at 6 o'clock to cruise around, and I had 0% shot at anywhere on the rail in the 100 sections, anywhere in the bleachers, and not really, uh, yeah, any good spots in the social spaces that were the, the prime or once. So I just don't like the idea that you're going to pay for a nice ticket or you're going to pay for a decent ticket in the 100s and that you're at a weird kind of disadvantage somehow to people that are like on the Walking Dead ticket. I, I just don't like that. That's just my opinion. I know people are going to say, but JD, it's more cost-friendly to a lot of people who can't normally... Blue Jays tickets aren't that expensive, okay? They're this isn't cheap. the Leafs game where we really actually need to figure out how to get families in the in the arena so <laughs> that people can see it, right? This isn't the Raptors that are jacking, what, 25% ticket prices next year for the old Raps? I think 20%, but yeah, there are right. probably some sections where yeah, season seats are going way up. That's cool, Raps. Good timing for that. Anyway, I'll get into the Raptors one second. Last yeah. thing on the social spaces, or sorry, on the new ballpark, I hate dead center field. I love the outfield in general. The 400... The fence is being 400 feet and having the little league height. No, it is not for me. And when it gets hot, that is potential for some real bandboxy stuff. It was hilarious thinking the crowd, the crowd thought that Kiermaier made an amazing catch out in center live. And I was like, uh, no, that was out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but everyone's going to think that every single time because yeah, the, the fence is so low. good. I just, that, Little League dimension, that felt kind of joke parky to me. The rest of the outfield is awesome. Really cool dimensions, but the the wall, the fence being that short, like in dead center. I, I was As soon as I saw it, I went, I, I, I can't get down with was this. Was it eight feet? Mm-hmm. No, eight. it's short. It's the got, wall's eight feet. It's the eight feet. Eight yeah. feet. <sighs> looks shorter yeah. than that. It looks even shorter than that. I thought it was like, <laughs> I thought it was four feet. <laughs> just, so well, no, if it was four feet, know, he'd have to worry about tripping over no, it, not jumping. Just, just, it, over is, it. it is comically short there in dead center. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? No comment? No, it's fine. I, like, I'm still very curious to see how the ballpark, like yeah. we've already seen a couple balls not get out that maybe would have because of the wall height, or we've seen a couple, you know, singles that would have been long outs. And, and I think Bo's homer in the opener probably yeah. doesn't get out of the no. old Rogers center, but also like this team's been hitting a bunch of home runs anyway. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well they just hit a whole bunch against the angels, which is not a hitter friendly yeah. environment. So I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of in wait and see mode. And I think if you're, a Jays fan after the last two days, you're kind of hoping, ah, it'll come back down to earth because Manoa and Gossman gave up some loud ones. Yeah. Uh, don't drop Jared Kellen. Did you see Jared Kellen? Like your, yeah, your Seattle course. boys yeah. home run Tay yesterday, Oscars like almost 500 too. feet. Yeah. Teo also hit one. That was a, just a monster bomb. I got to say too, that's one thing. About- I'm officially out on Julian Merriweather now after yeah. he gave up those two home runs. The Teo yeah, Oscar and Jared Kellnick. It's going to be awkward for Chris Black when he has to go up to the uh, level of excellence and yeah. chisel out Julian Merriweather's <laughs> name after he put it's it okay. up It's okay. He can replace it with Trevor Richards. Yeah, no, yeah, he's... <laughs> Yeah, or Jose Barrios or one of the other like guys he was completely dead wrong about. Uh, okay, so I mentioned it. Anyway, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was aesthetically pleasing. There were a couple of things that I really loved. I Like I said, I love that now, you know, you can grab a bottle of wine and go sit down in your seats with it. 
I, I like that there are different areas where people can go and just enjoy the game from a different perspective. It's really clean looking like the actual design of it is pretty. It's just, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, we live in the Instagram era. It's aesthetically pleasing. The game moved along very, very quickly. I did actually think about the vendors in terms of not so much. Uh, yeah. You know, I think people, we talk about the tipping culture being too much, but I do appreciate the hustlers who go seat to seat to seat and walk the stairs all night trying to sell stuff. And I mm -hmm. did think, like, holy crap, I wonder how this is going to affect them, the games being so much faster, um, whether or not this is actually going to impact pockets. But overall, yeah, the experience was amazing. And having the, the roof open for that was great. Cruising around early, it was just it, it was very exciting to see the ballpark this way. As someone who's been to a million games, it was just nice that they gave the remodel. It was just that, yeah, there were a couple of things that... I wasn't crazy about with it, and those were made, uh, mainly the one. Okay, so I said it. I'm at the game. I'm in my seats to see the Raptors lose. I see they've blown the game. Um, I tweet out, this is exactly what this team deserves um, because it is. And I'm going to get into it. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to chat with Blake Murphy about just the many layers of this disaster. Next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right. Blake Murphy's here. And subscribe to this podcast, please. Leave five stars. Again, we do podcast-only portion, so for the radio audience, you can drop by there and we do pod some extra stuff. Pod-only is a lot of fun. Yeah, the pod fun is there. a lot of fun. That is where you get to hear Jobo make a fool of himself. <laughs> deep-sea diving, <laughs> fellas. Yeah, deep-sea diving, my God. All uh, right. All-timer. So, all, all right. I would just like to say some... Uh, okay, Raptors, you know, <laughs> I finally get home and I watch the game and there's just no pride with this team and there's no chemistry with these guys. And we saw this all season long and they collapse, right? I, it's a 17 point lead with four minutes and 30 seconds left in the third. And people are freaking out about like the free throws and they're acting like these excuses. The Raptors can't shoot. The whole team can't shoot. And actually one of the things that, and not that that isn't a bit of an outlier, but one of the things that we have learned through yeah, just more and more information is that three-point shooting and free-throw shooting are actually correlated more so than we would actually assume. That's why we use free-throw percentage to project draft prospects, yep. right? It's like, well, you only take so many threes in a college season. We need more data. It's, well, how do you shoot free-throws? So it's like, yeah, the Raptors were outdone by free-throw shooting. Yeah, exactly. They were outdone by their shooting once again. And I, it really dawned on me watching this game, and this is something I've thought many times before, of just how few guys really play well together. Like, Jakob Pertl shouldn't have the best chemistry with multiple guys on the team when he was a deadline pickup. Like, Fred and him clearly are the two guys that actually probably play off of each other better, improve each other the most. And that's not a great thing for a team that is supposed to be about continuity. So mm -hmm. here are some facts, all right? Here are just some facts from last night's game. DeRozan scored 23 points against a guy who wanted the Defensive Player of the Year award, and he got to the rim a lot against him late in the game. That same player uh, also only hit four field goals. The Raptors traded a first in next year's draft for a center who, in a must-win game, scored seven points at eight rebounds and five turnovers in 40 minutes. The Raptors' be best bench player, who is looking for a huge payday, who they did not trade at the deadline, went 0 of 5 from three, the area in which he is supposed to be most proficient, and I think now we can say that they conclusively blew the Norm Powell trade because, yeah, they just didn't really get anything from it. I don't know what to tell you guys. 
if they didn't flip Gary Trent into an asset, and at this point, even if they decide to overpay him, Norm Powell was one of the crown jewel pieces at that deadline. They decided to go with that. And, and they did it. Well, you and I had also talked about, too, that even if you like the trade, which I was fine with it at the time, you turn Norm into a younger version of Norm that maybe you can develop. Well, he hasn't developed a ton. Nope. And you eroded a bunch of the value by giving him this super player-friendly deal yep. where he's got a player option. And like Bingo. for most of the season, it looked like it was fait accompli that he would opt out and be a free agent. I still think he's going to do that. But there was like a small percentage chance now that he's like, ah, you know what? I'm going to wait for 2024 on the new cap rules because I have killed all all of my value the last 25 games. Yeah, I, I don't know who wants to pay Gary Trent Jr. a big bag. He's of looking money for 20 million plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. It's hard to imagine a guy opting into a one-year contract, but yeah, you're right. That is a decent case for it. Um, Chris Boucher, who got over 35 million dollars last offseason, and people celebrated that signing. He gave the Raptors seven minutes, had zero points, and one rebound. New haircut, though. Yeah, cool hair. <laughs> The Raptors played played five guys, significant minutes in that game. Two that played 37 or more pending free agents. Their number one bench player, as we mentioned, is also a pending free agent. And the three other guys that are on the team that played significant minutes all need new deals a year from now, two of which are going to be unrestricted free agents. The Raptors just lost a must-win game at home to a team that finished two games under 500 and blew a 17-point lead to one of the worst offenses, I believe 26th in all of basketball. So there you go. Those are just some facts. Those are some facts from last night. And here's the opinion part of this. The Raptors are in one of the worst positions of any team in the entire NBA right now. No first-round pick going into next year. No superstar player. Like, Siakam, I don't know what else to say at this point. He's a very good player who can, at times, look like a superstar player. But honestly, he's what? In the 30 range, 20 to 30 range in terms of best players in the NBA. He, yeah, I think low 20s is probably where he lands. Yeah, somewhere in that range of players. Someone who's very, very good, awesome complimentary piece. He is not the guy on a team. He was not able last night to carry the Raptors to a victory against a pretty mediocre Bulls team. And it was not clear that he was definitely better than Zach Levine or and, DeMar DeRozan. And I know that this is this is an unfair way to do it, but Siakam's 32-9-6 and six did not feel no. anywhere near as impactful as Levine's 39 it's like it's a different way of coming about it. And Siakam was really good for stretches, but he also like the free throw thing is real also. And if a part of being a superstar is getting superstar calls and getting the rim, if you get to the free throw line 11 times and you can't take advantage, that's not something that, you know, work like that's not a check mark you get. And there have been a couple times like he's a fine free throw shooter overall, but there's a there have been a couple times now where that happens. And, you know, like 77 percent on free throws is fine but yeah leaves you open for five for 11 games i'm sorry but this just this makes the deadline disaster so much worse like i i talked to alex wong last week or earlier this Monday, week sorry yeah. yeah about hey are there stakes here are there stakes to this run but i actually was kind of looking at it through the lens of hey can they actually change the narrative much in a positive standpoint it was like no not really they kind of are who they are but for you to go out and acquire Jakob Pertl at the deadline and not sell any of your pieces and not have your lottery odds improve for you not to shut down some of these players, for you not to treat this run the way that it should have been treated all along, for them to double down on this group despite all evidence showing that they are a team that can beat up on the worst teams of the NBA, blow it to anybody in the NBA, and cannot compete regularly with the good to the best teams in the league... I, I think that this is 
this is an incredible faux pas for an front office that once again has had so many over the last couple of years. It's that last night was embarrassing for everyone in the organization. And I think back a lot to our deadline conversations, which weren't negative about Jakob Pertl. No, the fits good. Like you said, good chemistry with Fred. Honestly, he probably came back to this team and like on court chemistry wise and just the overall aura around the team. It's probably like, what the hell happened, dude? Like, it's like, you know, that that community episode with the dice where uh, Donald Glover walks back in and the whole thing's on fire. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's probably him. what he thought. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I just went to get the pizza. What happened? You guys won a championship and everything yep. got way worse on the court and off. But basically, this friend, this front office looked at this group and was like, no, no, this is worth digging in further on. And you can be an average team in the NBA and that be okay. If it's your first time being average, if you are on the climb up and you have a season like this, I'm not a huge believer in, oh, the treadmill of mediocrity like for the entire league, like in the macro, like, yes, the Joe Johnson Hawks hit that at a point where it was too many years in that middle. But the Raptors use that treadmill of mediocrity to keep them close to title contention. You cannot be an average team when there isn't a clear path or plan for moving in either direction out of average. Average is really dangerous if your ma- roadmap is just like we're, we're saying here. Yeah. We're cool with this. Like this is we're going to over index on being 500 actually and trade a future pick for Jakob Pertl. And like, again, Pertl's fine. He's good. He helps. But the implication of that trade is also that you will now reinvest in this core mm-hmm. because Pertle's a free agent and Fred and Gary are free agents and your trade deadline moves were, and who knows, maybe they shake off the sunk cost of it and are like, we messed up. We gotta. We gotta change course. We can't. Di- we can't chase bad money with good and re up all of this. But I think that's probably what they're doing. No, but they actually can't now because they. But they're going did, to. Pro- they I think. did not give up a pick. That is, we all thought when they traded the first free Acapurtal that it was going to be lottery protected. Yeah, and it ended then, up top ten. I think it's only top. Five. Oh, maybe it's top six. Yeah, I think it's top six. I think yeah, it's, yeah top five or six, man. Yeah. No, it's that pick could be. Far more is it uh, outside the realm of possibility that the Raptors have the tenth overall pick in next year's draft again? I would say not, seeing as that's kind of where they're going to land around this year. Well, they were the most average team possible by just about every metric: D rating, Dude. O rating, record. How'd you do against bad teams? How'd you do against good yeah. teams? The There's, ultimate mid. Yeah, they won a whole bunch of games by the, you know the Schumann stat. They won a whole bunch of games by double digits. <laughs> they also lost a bunch of games by like nine points after they erased double Dude. digit deficits late and meaningless. Like they are so average. And it's like, again, that's fine if you're on the way up. It's fine. Had the run it back year they been something like this, you'd be okay with it because it's the halo of the championship. But we are now four years removed from the championship where you got the grace of a run it back year and it overperformed. And then you got the grace of the Tampa year sucks, you know, like mm-hmm. that, there's that nothing. But we're four years in now and you can only have so many wave your hand added things and where I was at the trade deadline and where I'm very, very curious what Masai and, and Nick nurse and other pieces sound like today is what is the path forward? Because you have a good starting five that play well together that are about to be luxury tax level expensive before Scotty Barnes even gets his rookie scale extension a year and a half from now. What is the path to being better other than Scotty comes back next year and is just like all world. Well, Scotty in the five games in April down the stretch, and again, against good teams like the Celtics for a couple of them, uh, I think he averaged nine points. I thought he was good yesterday. Yeah, he was solid yesterday. But again, if you look at his season on a whole, um, it was a bad season. Yeah, it was like kind of lateral. Lateral? Lateral would have been nice. All of his efficiency numbers were down across the board. Like he didn't really improve in any aspect of his game. And he was very much... 
one of the team's biggest divas on the floor with the referees. And yeah, just Franchi- body franchise record for fourth quarter points, though. So at least, Buddy, I don't know, maybe you could take a positive from that. That, that. that is the number one positive yeah. is that in clutch minutes, he was actually really good. But again, and again, even last night, they're like, it didn't end up being a big basket because they lost, but the like, and one against Demar and the flex in Beverly's face. Here. And like, at least someone was playing like it was a big game, yeah. right? Like, that, and, I, and I know that doesn't mean a ton when you lose, but buddy, I actually odd shred of positive from it. I wrote that down as a positive moment from the game because up until that point, and this is the thing that's most confusing to me. And I, I think what stings for Raptors fans more than anything, and, or at least one of the things for me personally is that, Masai Ujiri, who deserves all the credit in the world for bringing a championship here, right? Did hit on the Kawhi Leonard trade, took the risk, even though, again, anybody would have done that risk at that price. Got it done and helped bring a championship to Toronto. One of the most inspirational speakers and figures that we have had in the city. But you always felt like with the Raptors, because the disadvantage geographically, you had to have an advantage somewhere else. And that you had an executive who was playing chess not checkers with some of these other GMs around the league and that you really had the sharps edge, right? Someone who was going to make the shrewd moves, the intelligent moves and who did not play for mediocrity. And so watching the Raptors go from playing for what to, Oh, those words were actually a different time. And now we're trying to get playoff experience for Scotty Barnes. And now we're embracing being a mediocre team. We're doubling down on being a mediocre team. The track record of misses like, Hey, and nobody thought that the Thad Young trade, except for me, was going to end up being a really stupid move. Thad Young didn't play for the Raptors this year. On a team that had no depth, Thad Young couldn't get any minutes. Well, that's because he had a contract incentive they were trying to avoid. They got no minutes from Thad Young, despite paying him a contract and losing a first-round pick that turned out or could have easily have been Walker Kessler, one of the brightest young stars in the NBA. Also, it's pointed out, too, that it, it, it also could have been uh, Nemhard, who also was in between those two picks. Another guy or, that... I mean, Malachi Branham, like, didn't have two, the season that those guys had. Yeah. But, like, you look at future skill set that the Raptors are, are lacking and things like that. This there is the were thing, real pieces. Like, whoever it is, and maybe they take Christian Coloco there, because it's not like Coloco was some unheard of. He was... Mm. Uh, like he was uh, good with Arizona. Very well thought of yeah, guy he in the was good. I never saw one projection that he was going to be a first round. Pick. No, but he was like projected in the mid thirties, which with this Raptors team, you know, would it surprise you if they picked someone? So maybe it's that, but you took the option off mm-hmm. the table, right? You took the ability and there are like trickle down costs of that too. Of like, if you don't have a first round pick, it's harder for you to get guys in for workouts. It's harder for you to go up the, the mm-hmm. priority chain at the combine for interviews and stuff like that. Like those are those are real things. If you don't have a first round pick, an agent's like, ah, you are not our priority in the pre draft process. It's a really great point, and it's an it's an often overlooked point. I just think that the allure of the front office, or sorry, the aura of the front office has changed. Yeah, that, I, I think at this point we are like safely out of the yeah. championship afterglow. Yeah, and the like motivational speech. Yeah. And like I, I the don't imagine the thing is just uh, done for me in terms of just that is the that was the you tweeted anything that was in dissent of the Raptors. Mm-hmm. You had any dissenting opinion on the Raptors in the last four years. And it has been, can you imagine, can you believe not believing in Maasai? Could you imagine not believing in Maasai? Believe in Maasai. That has always been everything that has been the brand of the Toronto Raptors during his tenure as as president, as GM, whatever. I, I think that's over now. It's, I, it's Scotty Barnes over the last three years. Yeah. That's it. That is a really good move. Mm-hmm. 
But it's it's also not like it was like some like yes nobody had him going for and everyone thought Jalen Suggs was going there. It's not like Scotty Barnes was projected to go like in the twenties. He was projected to go like between five and seven in the draft. It's not like it was like a it like even in the mock drafts leading up to it at the Athletic, I had like tried to trade down in our mock drafts. Yeah. Because I was like, if they really like Scotty Barnes, just get an extra asset and let someone else take Jalen Suggs and then take Barnes at six seven eight or something like that. Like it's not like look Barnes is awesome and that's a huge thing that fundamentally changes what the future of the franchise looks like, but it's not like it was like, it wasn't getting Pascal at 27 or getting Fred undrafted or turning Boucher from uh G league cast off into uh, a rotation piece. Like it was like, okay, you reached like yeah. two spots. <laughs> Here's the thing too, with Barnes, you can say whatever you want about it being, uh, you know, you described it as a lateral year. I described it as a step back, especially considering, yeah, there's, when you when you put every the entire Barnes season picture into context, I think it was a, a very tough season for a guy that was coming off of a rookie of the year. Um, there's no question in my mind, and it's not even really debatable, that his stock in the league is lower. Like if the Raptors were to say, like I joked the other day, well, it wasn't even a joke. It was more of a, a experiment of, hey, if Luka Doncic became available and you tried to put together the trade package, a year ago if you would have been like, we have the rookie of the year that we would like to put in this trade deal mm. – there's like Scotty Barnes in that same trade package would not be viewed the same way he was a year ago. Like that is just, Mm -hmm. I I think pretty, like there's a lot of strong evidence that suggests that anyway, I just, I don't know what the direction is for the Raptors now, because now they go into an off season where, okay, so you can flip OG and an right? Like Masai said it pretty conclusively that the deals that were there at the deadline for OG we're going to be here during the off season. And I believe that because the CBA changes have actually made it more favorable for a team that acquires OG now. Now, we haven't seen what the rules are going to be like for extended trades, mm-hmm. but I do think a team would be more comfortable in their ability to re-up OG after sure. acquiring them. Here's the problem, though. Again, opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. By keeping OG and an OB. And leverage. Yes. And letting this go down to the off season. Now, to me, you have to do better in that trade than what you would have gotten at the deadline. Otherwise, that is a failure. This is the thing that I was always perturbed about with the Kyle Lowry stuff and the way that the narrative took shape. I get that getting Precious Achua back, which, again, what did Precious play in that game? Nine minutes? Cool. Um, Nine minutes for Precious Achua? Well, here's another thing. is like, say you do run it back. How do you improve this bench? Because you had no, five no, you guys can't. that you were comfortable playing and you have a mid first round pick and the mid-level exception that you can have consistently struck out on using. Yeah, no, I, the point I'm trying to make here though, is that you could have taken a step back and had better lottery odds and improved that pick, which had more value to you than losing that play in game. Okay. And so now if you just get the same offer for OGN and Obi that you could have had the deadline, that's worse. Money in your hand earlier is better than money in your hand later, okay? That's how currency is. That's how that works. Same thing in the NBA. They get those same picks. It's the same thing, except for you ruined your pick, which was one of the biggest problems that I had with the deadline. All for what? For that, for an embarrassing black mark on your franchise, which was losing a playing game at home to a really crappy Bulls team. Anyway, I just... I don't, so you can pivot, you can move OG and an OB, and then what? It's, I'm not it's just, I'm not trying to pack anyone's bags for them, but I do think I was lo- re-looking over some of the trade deadline trades, like yeah. you and I kicked around, and then like the mailbag that I did and stuff like that, and watching that Thunder game last night, it's like, ooh, Pascal the Thunder, like, like on court and asset-wise, like if the Raptors hit the eject button, would 
make a ton of sense. If I hit on that, it will redeem me for my horrible trying to trade for Bradley Beal trade in Blake's column from two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the trade again? It was bad. I don't want to say it. <laughs> okay, it, was, okay. it, was. it was OG we'll for Beal. Yeah. It was OG and Trent for Trent, Beal. Yeah, for Beal. Actually, and a first. Yeah. Pretty sure in a first. For Beal and oh, wow. and taking on the Bertans contract, it was so yeah. bad. Oh my goodness! Every time I said, it, I was like, "Wait, it wasn't that bad." It's one of those like it's bury, just worst trade offer ideas ever. But no, my idea for Siakam actually is a good one. It's funny because I actually think that that should be the thing that's the most on the table for me. I is, think everything should be on the table. Yeah, like I know, you, but you can't. There, the furthest place from having a plan is being in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's. And I'm not saying they have to tank or they have they have to win a championship next year, but the plan the last couple of years has seemed like, yeah, we're all right being in the middle of the pack and being average and like waiting for a star. Sc- to Scotty come back. will break or we'll have an opportunity to trade for a star. And mm-hmm. it, like Fred and Pascal will be 30 by the end of next year. OG is like you said a year from being able to opt out and become a free agent. And Scotty Barnes, even if he hits, like show me the team that only has one star level player and looks like a threat in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So the Raptors path forward next year to improving their team is to re-sign everyone. Try the to exact hit on same a, team that just finished 500 yeah. and was a nine seed and got bounced in the play. But at a like what, what they're, what's their pick going to be 12th? Not, yeah, I mean, it depends a little. It can be yeah. the, your lottery odds will be anywhere. By the way, Bulls sure. uh, Raptors fans, you're cheering for the Bulls and Thunder tomorrow night mm-hmm. because that would give you the number 11 lottery odds instead of the yeah. number 12 or 13 yeah, lottery okay. odds. So, c- hooray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking fractions, wow, baby. Wow, like, baby. Do you hear that? Catch the fever, Raptors no, fans. It, but hey, one, tickets are going up 25%, yeah. but... You could have the 11th best percentage lottery yeah, odds. Yeah, that's 1.7% chance in Boy, one. oh yeah. boy. And, and if, <laughs> if your odds of getting Wemby increase by 1%, that's like three inches of Wemby. That's 0.7. Yeah, that's really, that's, that's, that's 0.7%. A, that's, that's a, a lot. Of, yeah, he's a large man. 1% of him. That's a good, good chunk That's almost a full player. <laughs> I just, yeah, um, I keep looking at all the options with this team, and it's like, okay, so you have to pay all these guys. There's very limited room to improve your actual roster. You're going to be up against the actual cap. Something that you mentioned is bird rights trap. Yeah, but it could end up being something halfway beneficial for the Raptors where they're not going to go into the deepest parts of Mm -hmm. it and that they'll pay some money to retain a good team. I just keep looking at it and think, all right, if you can recoup a bunch of picks for a guy like Pascal and go really big with it, all right, fine. But then what? You're going to let Fred walk? That doesn't seem to make sense. Sign and trade and get whatever you can. But that's exa- it's it's just like all of the options that you think of for this team, they're so unappealing once you do the second domino. Like the mm. first thing you can do, right, where you go like, okay, bi- hear me out. Big splashy trade, we move Pascal Siakam, and then you go, okay, but then what do you do with Jakob Pertl? Then what do you do with Fred Van Vliet? What do you do with the older I mean, players on Honestly, team? if you want to hit the eject button on the core, the best case scenario is kind of what Utah did last year where you get just a haul for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, yeah. and now they don't have like the – they don't have a chip as interesting as Scotty Barnes, but they got Laurie Markkinen who they could turn around and, and do something with. Not, I'm not saying he's – like something the Raptors should target, but like sometimes things break that way. Now the jazz are not anywhere close to being relevant, but they have a bajillion picks. I think they're kind of close to being relevant because of the amount of those picks and that some of the players that they've hit on this year. Um, I'm, I, I'm not a huge marketing believer. He's, he's going to win most improved player and then he's going to come back down to earth. I think uh, I like marketing. I know uh, you do. I like marketing, but no, but the bigger it's thing, representation. Is, the thing, the bigger thing there is that I like, uh, I like Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that that's a real building block and that they have, they also have the right setup, Blake, of so many good pieces that you can just throw in trades mm-hmm. with those picks. Like, I love their position in terms of, okay, this is the thing. 
this is where I was going to close this because we're running out of time with you anyways. And then we'll kick some stuff over the podcast only portion. So subscribe and review if you're listening on radio. I thought that the Raptors best position was to just run it back because you want to maintain all your assets because the same plan is going to be in place, which is have a bunch of guys that if you can package some of them together, you might be able to make another team look at it and go, yeah, I would like that. Except for all of the Raptors players are going to be overpaid and on big contracts. They're not going to be like, oh, that's a really appealing deal with a lot of control. Like, what, who's going to really want Fred Van Vliet? You, could, you couldn't get a first-round pick from the Clippers from him for him this year. And here's the thing. Sign-and-trades, you have more options in the offseason. But yeah. A, we don't know how the new CBA will handle sign-and-trades yet. Like, they're still – I know everyone reported the CBA yeah. is done. They're still in, like, the term sheet phase of that. We don't know a lot of details yet. But two, if it's like the current rules, you can't acquire a guy via sign-and-trade if you're a deep tax team like the Clippers or the Warriors or, um, you know, the Lakers will probably be and things like that. Your market is not that – wide yeah so that's just it to me is like gary trent jr didn't really have a ton of value fred van vliet didn't really have a ton of value so what the idea that you're going to bring these guys back on big money deals now is going to materially change what you'd be able to get for them and a year from now? like i don't understand that part of it i don't see what the path is here and that's the thing that shakes everybody is that the path is extremely difficult and you used to think that you had the best guide the best sherpa and masai ujiri and now you're not too sure. Anyways, subscribe to the podcast. We're going to do more over there. It's time for Best Bets, brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. I was using Botano yesterday, and it was a mixed bag, actually, yesterday. I hit on the DeRozan bet that I gave everybody. That was yep. nice. He went over the 21 and a half points. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, I did hit the sweaty under on Detroit Tigers under three and a half runs. Somehow escaped with that. Didn't hit on the Jays having over five and a half runs. But that's what I'm going to do again tonight. That That's the, the name of the game tonight is I, I think that the Jays offense rebounds. And if you look at, yeah, who they're ending up playing and what they end up needing in that ballpark full five or sorry, full game innings for the Toronto blue Jays total runs over five and a half is plus 100. That's what I'm dialing up tonight. I think that the Jays score a bunch of runs. I think the offense gets back on pace and yeah, they take advantage of this nice weather in that uh, little band box. That was the disrespect. The Spencer Turnbull. Yeah. You're showing here. Sorry. Sorry, Spence. Sorry, Spenny. They got a lot of Spencers on that team. Yeah, they do. It's Torkelson too. Great name. Torkelson. Anyways, that was best bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now. Thank you, Blake Murphy, for coming in. You can listen to Blake later today on Fan Drive. He'll have plenty more after the Raptors actually speak today. Can't wait to listen to them and hear that. Now go over to the podcast-only part where you'll have fun. All right. Uh, Podcast-only portion of the show. Three, two, one. Uh, All right, fellas. The podcast part of the show. Secret time. Secret (laughs) No haters here. Well, except for Austin, who's hating on you for doing something wrong with your mic. Again, this is a this is a glass houses situation, Austin. You throwing stones at Jobo for messing I, I didn't up even touch my console. Audio. It was this this huge, huge. I, I never huge touched my console situation. Yeah. It really uh those in yeah should not be casting rocks. I wouldn't say critiquing JD. I would say trying to improve and build up better. Bro, I feel like so, you're trying to power move me lately. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like you're really trying to power move me lately. Um, I don't know what's going on, but. There's just some signs of some power moves happening by you. Not miking up McKee, like showing up like late for the show yesterday, showing up not bright and early today when you came in. I did the little sweep around. I was looking for the fellas because I was got here. And I went, oh, I'm going to check in on everyone. No one was here. I felt very lonely. I did not like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did not like feeling very lonely around. And I had to see all the 
real news people and the <laughs> other radio people whose jobs I'm like not exactly sure what they're doing here. There seems to be neither am I, but they're nice. Yeah. Nice to me. Okay. All right. As long as they're nice to you. As long as they're nice to you. Yeah. No, yeah, I, yeah, you know. I, I'm weird like that, man. In the mornings, I don't have, like, when I first get into work, I'm not about the, like, chop it up with people that I barely have a working relationship mm-hmm. with, you know, like, that are working in other departments. Right. I wish I was. I'm way more that person if there's, like, a work social event, right? Mm, then okay. I'll chop it up with everybody, have a drink, do whatever. I'm just a night social person. I'm a morning Leave me alone guy. Right. And so it's hard for me in those spots because I feel like I come off like a jerk because <laughs> no. I don't. You don't think so? I feel like I'm short with I people. I think that's more... sarcastic. Who knows, though? Oh, you're trying to. You're <laughs> power playing <laughs> He's me laughing. Again? Is he sarcasm? You're, pl- you're power playing me again? <laughs> it's, not, it's not power play, JD. Yeah, you, know. you said it. I was disagreeing with what you said. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, you got me. I don't I'm all broken down by this. Austin's got me in pretzel. I never thought this was going to happen. JD, happy thoughts. You get to play golf with McKee after. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go chuck some discs. Oh, yeah. You're banging chains. I was like, you're a golfer, JD? No. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Disc golf. My fault. I know I will get back into golfing. I golfed a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. I stopped during university years because it's broke. And then when you're, here's the thing that you do not do very much when you're broke and you don't love golf is golf. (laughs) <laughs> it was basically the number one thing that got put on the chopping block of my right. activities when I went to school. I was like, am I going to hang out with the boys in expensive spots or do literally anything else? <laughs> like, yeah, It was that. But the thing is, is that, yeah, as you enter your thirties, golf becomes such the social zone with your buddies that I just have to do it. I'm not good at being bad at things though. So yeah, right. I, I got to get back into it. And it's no, just I, feel you on I just, that. it's, it's, it's getting to the point in my life. Oh, you feel me on that 22 year old? I'll kill you. But yeah, no, no, like, no. I, I like, yeah. like if I'm bad at something, it's not oh, my yeah, motivation yeah. to do no, it. No, no, it's, I, but again, I think you got to get over that stuff and nobody cares about whether or not you're bad at something. The only thing is, as I think Austin was saying, no, no, it was Austin or Simon yesterday talking about how, when like all your guy friends will always tell you, Hey, it doesn't matter that you suck. Oh yeah. It was come Simon. Out. I was yeah, come us. out. Just play golf. And no, no, I agree. Yeah. Byron and Finbar. I know you're both listening. I have not got a golf invite recently since our one time at Muskoka Bay <laughs> two years ago. I understand. Uh, I shot ago. 122. Could you but... imagine though, Austin, not only shooting that 122, but being a snap show about it the entire time. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a great time. I'm, I'm, no, again, I'm not a great time. There. It's, uh, it's I tough. would never do it. <laughs> I can, me, me and dude, you playing golf, JD. I think we no. get to seven holes oh my and, God. and it's over. No, I don't think we get that far. So straight up, I, I like they do the what's your ideal golf foursome thing? It's like if I had to do my nightmare blunt rotation for golf foursome, Austin one hundred percent part of it. One hundred, like maybe first overall pick. And it's like, I, you know, you don't play. Why do you expect and to I be like good, you. man? I like you. Yeah, of course. No, no, no. that's the stupidest thing. No, that I we agree. Do. So, so some of my it, friends are really good at golf and they yeah, say like yeah come out and i'm like dude i will slice it 97 feet yeah. to the left yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, i no, promise there's you just no there's just no doing that with uh people who are good and them saying like oh no we'll be patient or we'll turn this it's fine we just want to hang out and you're like no you don't no you don't not not like this you say this now but i've done this before and once we're like four holes in already you're like you're competitive like, about it no, no no it's not even competitive it's more just like oof you know hey so they just get, get tired good you want to be able to hit some good shots every once in a while anyways what'd we miss today i felt like there was two major topics today. It was Raptors and Jays. Raptors and Jays. And I just—I yes. didn't really talk about the Jays game. I guess I'll just say this: that, um, what an ending! <laughs> really, really fun ending to the game last night. Mm-hmm. Going into extras, but outside of that, 
there wasn't a whole hell of a lot going on with that baseball game yesterday. Right. It was like some, the only thing that was, I thought notable was for a team that invested a lot of resources into making sure that they're a better base running team and yeah. that they're a smarter team and they don't make the Dumbo mistakes on the bases. Mm-hmm. Sure made a lot of Dumbo mistakes <laughs> on the bases. And the only reason they even got to go to extra innings was because of a very weird call that I didn't see the highlight of yet. Mm. Cause live that, what was it? Obstruction? They must've called. I yeah, don't even know it, what it was. It, he was like backing up and then like backed into Vladdy, but then like moved away from him. And then they called it obstruction. You think it was a good call? I only saw it live. I didn't see the highlight yet. I mean, I could see, I could see why they called it obstruction. Either way. It was shocking live for them to call that. And Vladdy clearly made a bad base running decision. And yeah, Luis Rivera, man, can you just not be the worst third <laughs> base coach in the history of baseball? Like this is unbelievable. This guy year over year. Like what is the accountability? What is the, can we not get someone who can see how close an outfielder is to throwing someone dead mm. to rights out. Yeah. Oh, Vladdy was gone. Cooked. And gone. But this is the thing. The Raptors or sorry, the Blue Jays had a bad I'm so mad about the Raptors that I'm like I'm, I'm The Raptors projecting. are just invading your brain. Blue Jays <laughs> had a bad game on the base pass. And I went, this yeah. is supposed to be one of the things that's cleaned up. So I didn't really love that that showed up this early in the season where there was like big mistakes in that game. So mm-hmm. yes, nice they came back. Whatever a classic situation where a dumpy lefty who does is a poo tosser who as an ERA of five on the tiger shows up and shuts down the offense. It wasn't as, <laughs> but the offense wasn't as bad as it would have been. Right. Had there been good base running. So right. anyway, um, right. I, 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 I will know as soon as when Varsho got hit and when Kiermaier got that bun, I was like, what I would pay right now to see a JD cam of Varsho getting hit. I can just imagine you being like jail, jail from the outfield. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyways, what else did we miss fellas? Well, so Kyle Kuzma and Spencer Dinwiddie were going at each other on Twitter and stuff like that. So yeah, the, I saw a little bit of this. I didn't see, I saw the Kuzma part. I don't know what Dinwiddie said. So this first. started, it started actually in January when the wizards beat the Mavericks okay. and Dinwiddie said after the game, like they're not playing nothing for real for them to showcase. They're trying to get paid. They're not playing winning basketball. Uh, in his okay. post-game conference, and then Kuzma like replied and said, funny thing is, they don't play winning basketball. And then three months down the line, um, Dinwiddie... Oh, just out of nowhere? Oh, no, okay, Dinwiddie, all right. Yeah, yeah, so three months down the line, yeah. Dinwiddie said, you're not even a third star on a good team, because if you were, the Lakers would have kept you. Okay. And good then one. Kuzma went on a huge rant. He called him a, a name that I yeah, cannot yeah. repeat on the podcast. Did you see the the, the thread yeah, yeah, from Kuzma? Thread. Give us the Coles notes, though. Run through it. Well, the Coles notes, he said, like, uh, in, he re- referenced insecurity is loud, saying that you've been passed around the league, like a blunt Dude, sort of thing. Insecurity is loud right now. Dude, it's the, the theme the of the. Yeah. yeah. He was saying, like, you're, you're, you can thank Katie and Kyrie for getting you into the playoffs because yeah. you guys have sucked since then. Yeah, he posted their record post deadline with like yep. some laughing face. I was like, that's good. Yeah, that's since good the deadline's one. 11 and 13. I will say that's a tougher move to do when you're on a team that's not even in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's one thing to do if your team <laughs> is true. good. But I thought that was a weird flex by Kuzma. It's like you're lower. Look at you guys. You sucked. You're so bad. And then your team is worse. I, you, yeah. you know? And also, Kuzma is. The third best player on his team. Yeah. Some nights he looks like the second best. He played well in that Mavericks game. Some nights he had like he's 35 the best. Points, I know, but they kind of like have that. three guys who are all in the same, same stratosphere of players. Yeah, that's true. It's like, like the same. Yeah. yeah Beal, Porzingis, and him. And it's like, okay. We'll yeah. And Kuzma also reference like, I saw, I watched you as a second option on the Wizards. You averaged like eight points. Yeah, like, but that's what I'm saying. LOL. It's like, okay, Kuzma, like. And then these, and then he finished it off by saying the only way you're ever going to be worth your contract is if the NBA finally gives you your wish of getting paid in crypto. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's Boy. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, enjoy the clicks, go Sixers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to end it off. Random I, beef, like just out of nowhere. I like it though. Cause it's not that random. 
both those guys love the spotlight. Yes. Like both those guys think they're bigger and better than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're seeing this bubble up into a conflict between the two of them. I think. Yeah. They probably, so you know who you always really hate is the person who reminds you of you, right? Mm. Who shares qualities with you. It's like a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think those two guys probably see (laughs) themselves and the parts about themselves that they don't like in one another, where it's like both guys can kind of look like all-stars at times, but they're not really, they can have some really good stretches. They're talented. They're both two guys that are clearly, if you give them a big contract, they're going to be overpaid immediately. Like they don't resonate necessarily too much with a fan base. They're both very showy guys. Um, Both of them have been bounced around a little bit. Like, Dinwiddie's been kicked off winning teams, and so has uh, sorry, Kuzma. has Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. They they probably just are they're on the same corner, and yeah. so th- this kind of actually doesn't this isn't random to me. This is real beef. Yeah, which, well, by it was way, just I random. On Netflix that... the other day, and it was it's really good start. Like I really like the show Beef on Netflix. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I've yeah, not watched very, it. Very very it to the hot list. start. Very very hot start. Like I think it. I'm ho- I, it's such a busy time. I don't even know why I started it. Um, <laughs> you got succession too. Like, yeah, well, busy man. yeah, I'm up on succession, but yeah, it's just more just the sports yeah. dude. It's like, I, I was even looking at it where I'm like, where am I going to fit this in? Maybe there's a day, but either way, um, I can't wait to watch it. It, it has like the vibes of mm. like one of the top ever Netflix shows to me anyway, so far. Anyway, let's keep it going. What else? What do we got? So Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, they're fighting in Dallas on August 5th. Are you interested at all in that fight, or is it kind of just more like a gimmicky thing to you? No, it's fine. The only thing is is that now Jake has lost. Yeah. He's lost. Well, he's back to fighting MMA fighters instead of going and fighting another boxer who's trying to make that a profession. Yeah, so it's kind of like, here's the the part of this one that's kind of annoying, is Mm. I'm glad that Nate is going to get a payday. Right. But... Ultimately, I'd rather just see Nate Connor three, but I d- it doesn't feel like those timelines are going to match up, and like both those guys are going to be kind of past their prime. It's a cool payday for Nate. I don't have really a lot of interest in seeing Jake Paul fight anymore now that I've seen him against a pretty crap boxer and, and lost. lost and was just kind of manhandled for a decent part of that fight. Here's the thing, man. He hasn't progressed at all. He's just a very much like he would. The take is very simple with Jake Paul. He would kick the crap out of any of us. Yep. And 95% of the planet. Yep. But, well, more. But <laughs> he has skills as a boxer. Nah, like there's no, just, but they're not, they're no not boxing no, boxer it, skills. It's and not like world champion skills. He's it's, got the same arsenal that he's had from the very beginning. And yeah, I just, yeah. I, I can't, I've seen Nate Diaz in real fights. And I've seen now Paul going through the motion of what is this guy and can he do it? And now we sort of know what it is. And mm-hmm. I don't know. These are, it's weird because this is kind of like the best names fight. Yeah. Of this one, but now it just feels like the shine is off the Rosen. Yeah, I'll watch it because I think people will. But it, so maybe I'm being it's overly more of a critical, spectacle, right? But maybe it's a I'm spectacle. being overly critical if I'm saying I do kind of want to see it. Like, but it's not. It's one of those things where this is the way the category I would put it in. Right. It's definitely not destination viewing for me. I don't think that any of his fights really were. Mm-hmm. It's more of this one is going to be. Oh, that's on. I guess I'll watch that. Right. Like. All right, that's here in front of me right now. Uh, all right, fine. Not a when are we getting together for this or this is really exciting or yeah. I can't wait for this. It's none of that. It's just very much in the it's a background television show. I guess it's also different for like people my age too cuz like we grew up with Jake Paul becoming popular, so he was much bigger in our stratosphere. So seeing him like go through this whole journey and stuff like that. I was mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Jake Paul, but like seeing like the whole progression of it makes you much more interested in it because we actually 
we've seen him since he was like a young guy. Yeah. So it just like for my age, people talk about it way more. Yeah. Like so it's inflated a little bit. I but feel like my age hates him more though. So I would agree. We talk about him too. I would like agree. he's around and he's in the podcast. Him and his brother are very much in like the podcast sphere with mm-hmm. a lot of different people. Logan's podcast is really big. Yeah. Um. So anyway, what Austin? You guys? Well, since we're speaking of boxing, you're, JD, you're the boxing guy. The fact that this fight got put together before Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usek is a travesty. The fact that that looks like that fight's not going to come together at all. Yeah, dude. But that's the thing. Is boxing not- so dead for this? Is like I exactly. lo- I like to watch a big boxing event. Mm-hmm. Tank Johnson, Ryan Garcia next weekend. Not big enough for me. Oh. But anyways, it, fine, sure. But again, that's not something that I'm making sure I'm getting to the television for. But my point here is that when you're watching a big fight on a Friday night, that is the most awesome feeling where you're getting ready and going, man, boxing, this is so hot. Yeah. This is so great. Yeah. Big Friday night fight. Just late. And the atmosphere and feeling two prize fighters, especially with heavyweights, obviously, or mm-hmm. massive names. Like Canelo. Yeah. And just one is, it feels like we only have one guy left right now, which is Tyson Fury. Yes. Where it's like, he's going to draw in the casuals and he's going to bring everybody in and we're all going to watch a fight. And so, yeah, when he's not getting his best fights together, it just shows you. think you Canelo doesn't so- have that anymore? Yeah. Uh, Canelo lost to Bivol really hurt him because that, he can't true. keep going up in weight classes. That's and it. He, he went up to light heavyweight. Ceiling. He's got a yeah. ceiling. He's obviously massive, massive, massive in Mexico. Yeah, and he's yeah, fighting in a couple of weeks. He's definitely, I would say, the number two name. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think that there's the feeling of like you're watching the guy. Tyson, the way yeah. that. It, it's like, man, we went. For, it, this is a tough bar that Mayweather set, honestly, which is when you watch Mayweather, it was, dude, he's never going to lose and this is going to be spectacular and that you get to watch. That's the whole thing with even going back to the Paul thing is mm. you really wanted to at least have it be he's never lost, so maybe tonight you're going to see the first one. There was some extra juice with and that. Yeah. with Canelo, it's like, I don't really know what the stakes are because it's he's kind of slotted where he's going to slot in terms of history. He's not yeah. one of the greatest He's very he's just good. Gonna keep, so. He's going to keep like racking up wins and then he's yeah, going to yeah, retire exactly. like 65 yeah. and two uh, or something same like that. Same with Lomachenko. I mean, yeah, yeah, Devin yeah. Haney and yeah. uh, Shakir Stevenson would be a great fight yeah. if that happens. But like you're saying, the, the Tyson Fury-Usek fight, two undefeated guys, former yeah. Olympic gold medalist, yeah. Tyson Fury, that fight mm-hmm. I think would do huge, huge numbers. And this is where the UFC is so much better, man. They just put this stuff together like the between the two camps, not being able to organize anything and not talking. It's just, it's such a travesty and it's why boxing has fallen to the wayside. Unfortunately, that's exactly it. It's like the demand would so be there. If you can put together the good fights, like whenever people talk about like the death of boxing, the death of boxing, it's never anything to do with the actual product. Yes. Like, or even the boxes themselves, right? Exactly. It's the people in the product and the way that it's designed is just horrific in terms of modern day viewing. Um, and plus those guys can make so much money now though. Anyways, that they don't even really care. They don't have to build up their brands in any different way. Yeah. So it's just, and, like, and that's the thing, right? They have no incentive to go to a UFC no, like structure because Tyson Fury Canelo, like yeah. you said, is fighting this week and he's gonna make $40 right. million. Dollars no, he's, he's fighting a couple of weeks. They're way so. more in control. It's actually funny because they could really use a hybrid for the UFC and for boxing so that the UFC fighters could get paid, <laughs> get paid more, more, but then the, the boxing, the, the boxing people together. would be more relevant. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of UFC stuff though, I'm throwing this in. I saw again um, Israel Adesanya's coach on Ariel Helwani's podcast, and he was talking about how they want something different. They want something different. I got to tell you, this is like spoiling the Izzy win is how much he's trying to make this like, oh, I want to do something different. I don't want to do the same thing anymore. It's like, dude, you're scared of him. You don't want to fight him again. You're done with that. You've yeah. closed the loop on it because he's whooped your ass multiple times. Three times. And then you get off like a awesome knockout, but... Mm-hmm. That's not like you whooped them. You yeah. knocked them out. 
You got he it. was whooping you for the first couple minutes of that, that, that round. Far more the Matt Sarah GSP model than it is the, yeah. like, the GSP beating Matt Sarah model. You didn't go out there and put knees in his body and dominate him in front of the crowd and yeah. go conclusively where the audience goes, yeah, we don't need a third one of these. It was one really good counter. Yeah. One really good I, counter combination. I got, so I thought Izzy stock was all the way back. And I know some people think I'm just an Izzy hater, whatever. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, I actually like, I like Izzy because he makes me feel something and forever. I rooted really for him. Yeah. It's but character. I, I just think this is some real like, yeah, no, I agree. Stuff like, going on here. You're just, one, one against him in the UFC. Fight him fight, again. You're and three against him as a kickboxer. Yeah. Well, Owen two. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Owen two is a kickboxer. Him, yeah, one and one in the yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Just fight him again. Exactly. Fight him again. You're one, one in the UFC. Whatever, kickboxing, whatever. But also, if, like, Austin, to your point where you're going, oh, the UFC puts together the best fights, where the hell is Dana in all this? Where where the is, that's exactly Where it. the hell is the UFC in this stuff? Because they, this is the thing with the Colby Covington, the Dana White privilege, right? Where all of a sudden this guy's getting a title shot over other more deserving guys. Um, all of a sudden, we're not getting Makachev and Volkanovsky too. We're splitting that up and deciding to go in different directions and maybe we never get it again. But we can get, like, Moreno and Figuerera 14 times. <laughs> like... It's it just, what the <laughs> yeah. hell is happening here? And all, immediately after that Izzy fight, it was, wow, this is setting up for one of the great trilogies. Yes. What an amazing yes. trilogy. So this many stories. This will define your legacy, Izzy. Not that one win. Like, dude, yes, you got the moment, and that's why you were awesome saying that stuff, like, in your life, the moment. Yeah. But I actually think, I'm dead serious, is what I think is happening here. One is, he knows Pereira is the better man. He knows he's the tougher opponent. He knows he's the number one challenger to his legacy, and that he can cement it. That if he loses to Pejera again, that that's his legacy is the guy who lost to this him. guy. And that was still his boogeyman. And then he did the one time in your life thing. It almost looks, it's not corny, but it's like, yeah, now that meant everything to you. Cause you beat that guy and you know that you really shouldn't have beat that guy rather than it being like, I did it. I put the work in. I got this thing done. So he also mentioned after the fight, like, yeah, move up to two Oh five. Like yeah. he's going to be a problem up there. I'm yeah. like, what? Like, and, anyway, I just, yeah, yeah it, it, that's what I'm saying. It's like all the campaigning for not fighting Pajera is really some yeah. weird and like, stuff. Where's Hamza Shmeev in all this? Like how, how is he not coming to play at all? With, that's with what I'm talking saying. About. Like, I, I don't, I don't like this at all. I, Fight Pereira again. Like, that's the way to do this. I, I would this agree. should be Poetan immediately rematch. Don't do anything Trilogy, else. Trilogy, close the book. Dana White should be out there publicly being like, he can say all he wants. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Like, no, this I is agree. what we're doing. Because Leon Edwards came out and was like, I don't want to fight Colby, and I have a say in some of this stuff. I'm the champ. And then they were like, nah, you're fighting Colby. <laughs> so why yeah. isn't that going to happen to Israel Adesanya now? Anyway. Well, also, uh, what else do they do? What else we got? Any um, sports stories? Yeah, so Salt Lake City expansion team I don't uh, care came from this. ESPN. I don't know what the deal is here. Like, so that's cool. Baseball is going to get another team. Yeah. Right? So Rob Manfred said last year that he wants the MLB to get up to, get up to thirty-two. That's fine. And there's like a bunch of cities in the mix. Montreal is one of them. Mm -hmm. Does that mean anything to you? Like, are well, you? Well, I think that's the bigger thing here. The only thing I'm kind of yeah. interested in is it came up because Salt Lake City, and then I saw Montreal was also mentioned in the article. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, awesome. Well, just the logistics of the team in Montreal have never made sense to me. Like, it's not mm -hmm. going to happen again because of the language laws, because of the high tax burden that's in Quebec, because of the infrastructure problems with the Big O. Like, I just... Yeah, but the Big O would be gone. No, what the real thing with Montreal is, is that they have to have the deep pockets that are willing to put a world-class stadium there. In, mm. in downtown Montreal, yeah. not at Park X in the yeah. suburbs. Exactly. And, and that's where the Big O is now. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I... It's always felt like such a long shot of happening, no doubt about it, with Montreal. Yeah. 
Um, it's always sort of felt like they're more of the threat to Tampa Bay for relocation than anything else that they're just the looming, Hey, you're not going to do something. <laughs> the, the cloud Tampa, over the head. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to yeah. do it. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll split the games between the two ballparks. Remember that one? Yeah. I don't know. I I'm, I'm not as pessimistic as Austin, I guess where it's never, but I think it's unlikely, but I do think that would be a real blow to the people of Montreal mm. to see a team go to Salt Lake city before it goes yeah. to Montreal. There's also some other big ones like Nashville's in there. Portland's in there. Charlotte's yeah. in there. And Nashville's Nashville. getting a real glow up. Eh? Yeah. Like, yeah Nashville. Well, Nashville's been campaigning for it for a while too. Like yeah. it's been, it's been their thing for you a couple got your years. MLS now. team Nashville. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Relax. Hey, hey. <laughs> Taking shots at Nashville. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's next? I'm going to go play some. You're going to play some disc golf. One. What else? We got one more good topic. Uh, yeah. Did you see the uh, the Yankees ball boy thing from nope. the, the, so the Yankees were in Cleveland and w- one of the Guardians ball boys. So he's a Guardians ball boy who's working the opposing dugouts. He had a Yankees jersey on mm-hmm. and uh, George Steinbrenner in 1976 put in the neatness counts policy where all the players and stuff like that had to, the only, it was only mustaches, no long hair below yeah. the collar, you know, that whole thing. So mm-hmm. this ball boy had long hair and Michael K roasted him for it. And mm-hmm. then it kind of went viral. And then the next game they made him put the hair up into the thing. And like, like what's your thought on the neatness counts policy? Is it just like completely it. outdated or you like, no, it? I like it. It's for the Yankees. And mm-hmm. and I don't mind it when, listen, I, if you read Bourne's book, he talks about Lou Lamorello and him bringing that to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I know that people think like, it's all lame and I, I, listen, I'm still a big personal choice person too when it comes to like your aesthetic generally. But yeah. also if you're going to go into a certain organization, you can set a tone with different levels of professionalism. And with Lou Lamorello in Bourne's book, he talks about getting busted once for having a little bit too much facial hair. Mm-hmm. And Lamorello calls him out in front of everyone, says something along the lines like, can we get this guy a razor? <laughs> or this guy can't afford a razor or something like those. Yeah. And Bourne goes and has to shave immediately. And the thing is, is Lou talks to him later and says, yeah. it's about the little details. You want to make sure that you're doing the, de- there's a reason why, you know, in the military, they have you go through the routine and make sure that your boots are shined properly, that your bed is made properly, that mm-hmm. your things are folded properly. Like the attention to details thing can bleed into other areas of your life. And so for the Yankees, I don't mind it where you're saying we're the number one organization in baseball. And we have a policy that if you are going to play with this team and historically that every little detail with us is going to matter. Mm -hmm. I like it. I think it fits them. I don't think it works for every single team. You can't be the Arizona coyotes and being like, Hey, the every single detail matters. (laughs) You play in in front of 5,000 people. If you're going to play for the New York Yankees, I don't mind it. And I think like, I don't know what he said about the ball boy. Like, obviously, there's a line you can cross when you're talking about kids. Yeah. But well, he's also a, like he works for Cleveland. So he's not the New York Yankees ball boy. They yeah. just they just put him in the Yankees uniform. And okay, so that makes he had red, sense. He had red that. shoes, too. Yeah, I missed that So part. he was clearly like a Guardians employee. And mm-hmm. then he's just working the opposing dugout. So that's why I think it got a little bit controversial. People are like, he works for Cleveland. Like, why are you ripping him for it? But like, th- so this was in Cleveland? It was in Cleveland. Yeah, that is a little strange, I guess. It was in Cleveland, and yeah, the Yankees no, were in Cleveland, Cleveland. he's in the wrong. But I'm just saying for the Yankee stuff, I was going to say I'm surprised that that kid even got a job. Like, I was surprised that they went lax on the rules that way. Yeah, but, no. yeah, whatever. No, it's fine. It's fine. I got yeah. one more, J.D. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins missed the playoffs for the first time oh, yeah. in 16 years last yeah, year. It's to be the first postseason without Ovechkin and Crosby in it yeah. since 2006. I know. Yeah, they so, blew it to Chicago. Do you have, uh, thoughts, yeah. feelings on that? For me, I'll tell you, that makes me feel ancient. Yeah, so I also saw that. John Taves is done with Chicago. This will be his last game yep. will be tonight with the Chicago yep. Blackhawks. Yes, so sir. he's done. That's it. He's not resigning in the off season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, guess what? I'm old. 
because John Taves and Patrick Kane are off the Hawks. Sidney Crosby doesn't make the playoffs with Malkin. And yep. Ovechkin is just in a race with <laughs> Gretzky. I get, like, again, that's all they care about. He's only about 72 is. goals away. Yeah, I know. And he's going to get it because yep. he'll play. Dude, he will play like Yager till he's in his 40s oh, yeah. trying to chase Yager's still playing occasionally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, it's sad, though. I think Yager has to play, or at least the last well, time he, I checked in he's on He's a part owner of that team. Yeah, and he was saying, if I don't play, the team will fold, so I have to play. It's like, oh, man. Well, he drives the ticket Poor sales. guy. He's just he's, he's <laughs> a, made his own cage. Um, yeah, I'm, it's weird, man. It's very, very weird to not have the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs. And it's, it's, it's a, it's especially strange given that they were definitely the team that had they gotten in, you were the least afraid of in the East out of everybody. Like Mm -hmm. you could talk yourself into so many teams being dangerous or getting hot or getting, they just had nothing special about them other than Sid and his backhand. Yep. Essentially. They were such a blah team. Such a nothing team, no identity, no special depth. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the Islanders, you know, they can play heavy. The yeah. Panthers, they, 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 they have some tough contracts like, on that team, too. Yeah. I, no, the dude, that's the whole thing about the Penguins is yeah. this is one of the weirdest things that organizations do. And it was why, as much as it's painful for the Blackhawks and you hate seeing those guys not play mm-hmm. for Chicago moving forward, like you'd love to see, man, of course, stay competitive forever. Yeah. And this is what I hate about the whole parody league thing is people go, Oh, parody, 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 except you end up losing stars at the end of their career. People that mean something to organizations, then they finish their spots in other places. And it's the worst. And it's happened before parody and it's happened before leagues and caps, all that different stuff, right? Like Bobby Orr finished his career for in Chicago, for God's sakes, Um, (laughs) Brett Hall and the coyotes. My point here is that Pittsburgh did the right thing by their fans and by those players, which was to give them all money to yeah. have them return in Malkin and Latang. So mm-hmm. that Sid Malkin Latang, you as a Penguins fan, you have them forever. But it also ends up being the wrong thing because now if you're a Pittsburgh fan, your final memories are going to be about those guys all being overpaid and slowing down and ruining the final years of Sidney Crosby when maybe you could have used that money next year or this offseason to improve around Sid and retool around Sid. Yeah. And so it's just like was it better off letting Gino Malkin go play for like, just say the red wings, right? Where he gets a contract and he plays down the rest of his career and he's Mm -hmm. okay. But now you don't have that cumbersome contract on the books. Was it better to have just let Latang walk or flip him at the debt? They were so competitive for so long. And this is the, the downside of having Sidney Crosby. If there ever is one at the end of his career is like, (laughs) you really do feel an obligation to him to give him the, like never take a step back around Sid. You can't be a Chicago and just completely burn the team. Well, Those two guys. Yeah. It was, they were done and they watched other guys age out earlier. Right. And then Kane was starting to get hurt. They started to suck. Like they was just different. Yeah. And so, and Kane was open to the trade. So that was okay. But now, and they would have traded Taves had he not been unhealthy. Yeah. And so you end up recouping some assets and it's okay. And of course you would have again loved for those guys to finish their careers in Chicago, but that that is the the breaks of the the game a little bit here. Either way, yeah. I, I feel sad about it, Austin, to be honest, because like I always want to see Sid in big games, competitive games. Mm-hmm. I know obviously what that would have meant to him, but and to have it be snapped at sixteen years in a row is kind of depressing and sad, but Extremely I think, impressive I think the run. bigger thing, if you're a Penguins fan is like, yeah, how does that change next year? Like, how does that get any better next season? I don't see how it does. Yeah, well, if, if you, if you look at their books, like they have guys for yeah. millions of dollars for three, four, five more years. Yeah. 
And it's not just like no. Sid, Gino, and yeah, no, 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 they're tied up into this core, yeah. like very, very heavily. They're tied up into like nine guys. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the podcast portion of the show. Leave five stars. I'll be back tomorrow. And then, what am I? Oh yeah, we got tons and tons and tons of stuff lined up for the next couple of weeks with the Leafs mm-hmm. playoffs. Very excited for that to finally get underway. Finally, final Leafs game of the season tonight. Yep. Anyways, Thank God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Austin's done. Is over. He's exasperated. Right. Leave five stars, share it, do all those things. Reach out in the DMs, by the way. Yeah, if you want to play Botano, do that too. We'll talk to you later.